You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, we're going to talk with Ed Kratz, the publisher of Eagles Today for Fan Nation. Uh, we're going to talk about Kelly Green jerseys. We're going to talk about the number zero. He's going to give us some draft thoughts, and we'll talk about our ranking of the quarterbacks in the NFC. We're going to do a snake draft through 16 rounds. We'll each pick eight quarterbacks, and uh, that's going to be a good jumping off point to discuss some of the quarterbacks in the National Football Conference. And we're going to do all that coming up here on this edition of Eye on the Enemy. But I want to start off with some news from around the division. And let's look first at the Washington Commanders because a lot of news coming out of the nation's capital with regards to the sale of Dan Snyder's team. Some news coming out on Friday morning as far as what Snyder himself is looking for. Six billion with a B, $6 billion for a sale of the Washington Commanders, which again, that's pretty pricey. I think the record is uh, $4.5 billion, and was that the Denver Broncos, I want to say? Yeah, it was, uh, was $4.65 billion uh, the, Broncos, uh, the Broncos' new ownership spent on that team back in 2022. So this would be a record uh, if, uh, if the sale does go through for $6 billion for the Washington Commanders. And um, it appears as though now there's no problem with Jeff Bezos, the Amazon owner, being the guy who buys the team. There had been rumblings and rumors that Dan Snyder didn't want to sell the team to Jeff Bezos, uh, but it looks like now that is softening quite a bit. So it sounds for all the world, and this was a lot of the talk with the owners at the late, at the NFL meetings last week, they're hoping that they don't have to push Daniel Snyder out. It sounds as though it's a soft push out the door anyway, really forcing Dan Snyder to sell this team without actually coming out and saying, we are forcing Dan Snyder to sell this team. But it's not a coincidence that this is all happening right now, of course. And Dan Snyder is going to get quite a nice little payday out of this. He's not going to face any kind of discipline from the league. He's going to get $6 billion for his for his franchise, which has become one of the worst in the NFL and one of the worst in professional sports. Ron Rivera is their head coach and has tried to put a good face on the organization, but I think we're kind of seeing that with Dan Snyder there, and even with Ron Rivera there, there's a cap on what the commanders can do. For the last few years, they have really been caught in the middle in terms of whether or not they're going to just rebuild or retool and how quickly they can do it. And the biggest issue that they have had is at quarterback. Last offseason, of course, they went out and they traded for Carson Wentz, hoping that the good Carson Wentz still lived inside that body somewhere and not the hollowed-out husk that we now witness on a, on a week-in, week-out basis whenever Carson Wentz takes the field. So that blew up in their faces, quite obviously. And while they were a 500 team last year at 8-8-1, eight, eight and one, that's not good enough for Washington. That's not good enough to win a playoff spot. That's not good enough 
to even get yourself a great draft pick, to really get yourself one of those difference makers, especially at the quarterback position. Now, they do have a young guy in Sam Howell, who they're very excited about, but again, not a high pick by any stretch of the imagination. Sam Howell was taken in the fifth round of the NFL draft, and so he's no sure thing for sure, Um, but... I was interested in seeing, and I didn't. I don't think I realized this with the Commanders, that they have had six different starting quarterbacks on opening day the last six years. And this year will be the seventh, right? It'll be the seventh, the seventh starting quarterback for the, for the Washington Commanders in the last seven years. And over the course of, the, of his first three seasons coaching the team, Ron Rivera has started eight different quarterbacks. And it's going to be a new starting quarterback here in 2023. Some of Rivera's comments on what he's going to do with the quarterbacks is kind of interesting. We're not exactly sure just yet. Uh, Talking about Sam Howell, I think it certainly looks as though Sam Howell will begin the season as the team's starting quarterback because Rivera said here in year four in Washington, we are roster building for the first time and feel really good about what we're able to do. When you're talking about roster building, part of that is finding out if the young quarterback that you have in your stable can actually play rather than putting out another veteran quarterback in their thirties on a one-year deal to kind of get you through to the next season. At a certain point, you either need to go out and spend big money on somebody like Lamar Jackson, make a trade for Lamar Jackson, which Ron Rivera essentially said this week, we're not doing that. We we were roster building. We're not going to go, go get Lamar Jackson. Well, there's a big difference between Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz. There's a big difference between Lamar Jackson and, uh, and, and, and Fitzmagic. There's a big difference between Lamar Jackson and Alex Smith. These situations are not equal. But the commanders are set on rebuilding. So it seems like Sam Howell will be the starting quarterback. But then Ron Rivera says that Sam Howell will compete with Jacoby Brissett, who they signed during free agency. Rivera said, if Jacoby earns it, I'll play Jacoby. And then Rivera also said they haven't ruled out a third competitor to be the starting quarterback this year. Somebody they might take in the first round of the draft, which they pick number 16. It's not like they pick five or six or seven. You're picking 16. Can, can they trade up? I, I don't think so. And wouldn't be wise. I don't I mean, if, if you can get up to number two or number three, we saw the Eagles do it to go get Carson Wentz and you can get one of the top two or three quarterbacks. And I guess, yeah, go for it. Because you can't win in the NFL without a franchise quarterback. And it would be a shock to the system if it ends up being Sam Howell. If Sam Howell ends up being the franchise quarterback as a, as a fourth-round pick. And it's certainly not Jacoby Brissett. But there's you can just hear, it sounds like Ron Rivera wants to roster build and wants to go with Sam Howell. But you have the complicating factors of the fact that this team is being sold that maybe that's more of the reason why you're not going after Lamar Jackson than any excuse about roster building. The commanders are at an inflection point. They play in a division with the Philadelphia Eagles, who are going to be good, it would seem, for a long time. In a division with the Dallas Cowboys, who fall apart in the playoffs, but generally speaking, are a good football team each and every year. They have another team in their division now, the Giants, who are on the ascension. It would appear with Brian Dayball as their head coach. Daniel Jones improved quite a bit in 2022. Will that continue in 2023? They're adding the pieces, but they have they have set their sails with Daniel with Daniel Jones in the wind, and that is how they're charting their course forward. 
the commanders still don't really know. And frankly, I think one of the things that is interesting about how the commanders are viewing this and how the Eagles are viewing this is Ron Rivera talking about we are roster building for the first time. Howie Roseman this offseason talking about the Eagles' quick turnaround essentially said, in our market, there is no rebuilding. And we saw how quickly the Eagles were able to do it. And they did it by drafting their franchise quarterback and developing him in the second round. So when you hear the commanders talking about a quarterback at 16, you've got to be able to identify that guy and then develop him. The Eagles were fortunate enough to find a guy in Jalen Hurts in the second round of the draft who had all of the intangibles to turn himself into one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL right now, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He didn't win the Super Bowl, but certainly played well enough to win a Super Bowl on the game's biggest stage. To me, that to me, when you're thinking about Jalen Hurts, that's as good as winning it with him. Jalen Hurts is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He didn't win the Super Bowl, but he did everything humanly possible to win that game. There was the fumble that was returned for a pick six that was bad luck. Did everything he could, was the best player on the field in the Super Bowl. Should have won the Super Bowl. In my opinion, Jalen Hurts is a Super Bowl winning quarterback without the Super Bowl title, without the Lombardi trophy. And that's what the commanders need to see if they can find. And they are wandering in no man's land. And now with the sale of the of the team kind of hanging over their heads, it doesn't seem like they can really go out and they can trade for Lamar Jackson because of the financial um, uh, hands, uh, handcuffs that might put on the team in order to build the roster it needs around him. I think I they they need to get themselves a star quarterback. If they go get Lamar Jackson, they're they're a contender in the NFC, given their defense and everything else they have around him. But uh, Ron Rivera st- disagrees with Howie Roseman that there is no rebuilding in the NFL. All right, and before we get to Ed, uh, one more piece of Eagles news to pass along: the Eagles agreeing to another one-year contract with a depth piece uh, for the defense. This time, Contavia uh, Street. Uh, who was with the Saints the last couple of years, a pass-rushing defensive tackle. Um, Really, I think Jimmy Kemsky mentioned this in a Philly Voice article, uh, that this kind of fits the pattern of what the Eagles are looking for outside of the big signings that they've made, the big re-signings anyway, of James Bradbury and Darius Slay. A lot of guys on one-year deals, guys who are in their mid-20s who have had some injury problems the last few years but were picked high in the draft, first or second round draft picks a few years ago. Guys who when they were coming out of college, had enough talent to be taken early in the draft, and it appears injuries sidelined their ability to really progress as players. The Eagles obviously have a lot of confidence in their coaching staff to be able to get more out of guys like this. And Contavia Street, all of these guys, Rashawn Penny, they have specific skills that you can see a team that if you're not dumping all of your hopes and expectations on them, they can be good role players who could potentially turn out to be something more. We saw that with Javon Hargrave when he first signed with the Eagles was not the player that he turned out to be. Now, Street was originally a fourth-round pick by the 49ers, so a little bit later in the draft. Uh, He went two spots ahead of where Josh Sweat was taken at number 130 overall. Um, But again, Street had injury issues Going into the draft, he tore his ACL in a private pre-draft workout, so uh, he probably would, could have been a day two pick had he not uh, had he not had that had that setback. And he has been pretty productive as a part-time player for the Saints in a rotational role. Street last year 
had 29 tackles, which was a career high. He had uh, eight quarterback hits, three and a half sacks, and a pass deflection. Those were all career highs. Pro Football Focus didn't love him, ranking him 109th out of 142 defensive tackles. A lot of that is because as a run stopper, he leaves a lot to be desired. So he's going to be a part of a rotation that I think they're really going to have Jordan Davis and him on the field at different times. Jordan Davis probably in there for those early down situations to be that run stuffer, to be that lane clogger. And you're hoping that Jordan Davis progresses as a pass rusher in addition to providing you with that run-stopping ability. But in the meantime, you can take Jordan Davis off the field and put this guy in there on second and longs and third and longs, obvious passing down situations. And that's kind of what it feels like Howie Roseman is trying to put together with a budget defense, given the restrictions that he has because of the salary cap, he has to go out and get guys like this who have upside, who are going to get an opportunity to be a part of a rotation and, and play a lot, to prove that they can do something. And we're going to get a good look at these guys in OTAs. We're going to get a good look at these guys in the spring before training camp rolls around and get a better sense of their ability. And then once training camp begins, then you really get a, get a sense of whether or not these guys can make an impact. Some of these guys that they have signed over the last couple of weeks are not going to make the team. There's probably going to be one or two of these guys that gets outright released, either because a better player comes available later in the spring, later in the summer, or these guys just aren't as good as they were hoping that they would be. But I think you can look at a lot of these different signings and say, I can see a scenario where if they're used in the right way, that they can be productive and they can work. And when you've, again, got the, when you've got so much money at cornerback, which if you're going to dump money into the defense cornerback and the defensive line is the place to do it. They've got great edge rushers. They've got great cornerbacks on the outsides of the defense. They're exceedingly good. It's the interior of the defense, the defensive tackles, which I think are going to be, I think you've got a pretty nice rotation of defensive tackles there with Fletcher Cox back, with Milton Williams' improvement last year, Jordan Davis. Uh, now you've got Contavious Street. That's a good foursome right there. That's a good foursome of defensive tackles, and I think that I think that can be productive. Will it be as productive as if they hadn't had Javon Hargrave, probably not. But maybe just from a pass rushing standpoint, from a run prevention standpoint, the Eagles might be a little bit better. And at the end of the day, it, it might be a little bit of a wash. Again, especially if Jordan Davis can take that next step. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Ed Kratz, publisher of Eagles Today for Fan Nation. We're going to talk some NFC quarterbacks and uh, get into the Jersey conversation and his draft thoughts as we are less than a month away from the NFL draft and the Eagles uh, rebuilding this team uh, with some more young players. And we'll talk to him about all that stuff coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, we are getting ready for the NFL draft. And of course, uh, teams are making news uh, in the weeks leading up to that because moves are being made and the competition committee is deciding on new rules for next year. So there's still a lot going on in the NFL. And uh, joining me to break down what's been happening over the last few weeks with the Eagles, and we're going to talk a little bit about the NFC quarterback hierarchy as well, is Ed Kratz. He's the publisher of Eagles Today for Fan Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at at Kratz. It's K-R-A-C-Z. Ed, welcome to Eye on the Enemy. How are you, man? Hey, great, John. Thanks for having me on. You bet. It's, it's, it's great to have you. I've been reading your stuff for a long while, but I know this is the first time we've ever had you on the podcast. So uh, thanks for doing this. And I know one of the things that Eagles fans are really excited about is the Kelly Green jerseys coming back. We found out this week that Kelly Green will make its return to the Eagles. Uh, I think it's going to be um, at the expense of maybe one of the, the All Blacks jerseys or something like that. I think that's what they decided. Uh, yeah. I was never a big fan of the All Black. I, I like color. Um I think it'll be interesting to see what style the Kelly Green jerseys are in because I have in my mind a certain thing. I have Keith Byers running down the the sideline at the vet with uh, you know Randall and Keith Jackson and Reggie and those Kelly Green jerseys with a lot of the silver and the gray mixed in. And I think we'll probably see something that's a little more new agey than that. But what's your thought on the on the Kelly Greens coming back? Because I know a lot of people think it's a little bit overrated. It's a lot of to do about nothing. Well, you could probably put me in that category, John, as far as being <laughs> overrated. Um, I wasn't, I think the, the Kelly Green has, and now maybe you're right, maybe they will modernize it a little bit because I think the, the the old Kelly Green, it just wasn't appealing to me. And I remember those days as well. And and I thought they were cool back then, but I, I think we moved on 30 years later here from that time. And I, hopefully they do make it a little bit more modern looking. I think they will. Um, I'm not a big uniform guy. I'm, I'm really not even a big numbers guy. I couldn't mm-hmm. tell you like who wears what number, uh, but I guess we can get into maybe some talk about that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, as far as the uniforms go, I'm not a big fan of the all black either. I will say that I didn't like that look. I like a little bit of color too, um, but apparently a lot of fans love the Kelly green and, you know, maybe it brings back certain memories for them. Like you mentioned, Keith Byers and Reggie white and Randall Cunningham and players like that. But to me, I like the midnight green. You know, I think it's a good look. I think it's a, a fresh look. Maybe they could have tweaked that look a little bit, but they'll bring back the Kelly green and we'll see what it looks like. I think the helmets were cool with the wings, yeah. just the wings on the helmet. I did like that. Um, and I guess that's what they're probably going to go with again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be, you know, it'll be fun to see what it looks like, but I'm not a big, I don't get caught up in all the, the hoopla over a new uniform, to be honest. Yeah, I think one of the things with the Kelly Greens back in the day is we remember Randall, I think, where, yeah. and with the with the sleeves that were way oversized for his skinny arms, and and that's just not how NFL players wear their jerseys anymore. So <laughs> it's not going to look like it did when Buddy Ryan was the head coach. But I I am looking forward to it. I think it's a I think it's a nice change. I don't I wouldn't want them to go back to that color scheme full time because I think also with the midnight green. 
maybe my eyes are deceiving me and, and I know you're not a big uniform guy. I love uniforms. I love talking about uniforms and color and all that stuff. And I think the color has lightened a little bit over the years. I don't think it's as deep a midnight as it used to be. I think they've actually lightened it just a little bit over the last few years. I remember watching Super Bowl 52 and, and watching the game thinking those, the uniforms look a little different for, hmm. for 52. And, and, I could, again, could be seeing things, but um, I, w- my favorite uniforms were the ones from the Dick Vermeil era. I, I think those were really cool, where they really incorporated more of the silver with the, uh-huh. with the green. Um, I, I, I dug those and would like to see those come back at some point, but I know I'm in the vast minority on that one. Well, you've you got a trained eye there if you're spotting different you know, subtle <laughs> changes to the midnight green. I'll give you credit there. I, you know, again, maybe if I was a more uniform guy, I'd be able to spot that as well. So I'll take your word for it. There might have been some subtle subtle changes there to the midnight green and you're right about the silver the silver's a good look yeah uh mixed in with that 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 green scheme so yeah it's classic yeah it is now i've seen you know pictures from when they were the frankfurt uh back when they were the frankfurt bees or something oh yeah the, the yellow jackets what the, the yellow, the yellow yeah, jackets. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the, the gold that was the mm-hmm. yellow with the blue i think i mean that that would be kind of a an interesting look sometime i mean i do like the retro uniforms i love like the the uh, chargers older look mm-hmm. you know i love those uniforms the dolphins um there are some uniforms out there that i really do uh like back from you know back in the day but uh yeah, yeah. maybe i'll start paying a little bit more attention <laughs> just yeah midnight green yeah take a look at 1996 and then take a look at the super bowl and and tell me they're not a little different i think i think they might be but um that's a good homework assignment I'll yeah start. yeah yeah um we had some color analysts on too some uh, whatever uh, the numbers, the number zero is, is going to be making its return yes. to the NFL, which is big, big news. And I think, um, I'm obviously a little sarcastic when I talk about big, big news for the, for, for player Jersey numbers. Cause I will agree with you on the numbers. I remember some of the classics, uh, number 12 obviously sticks in my mind for Cunningham. I remember a lot of those buddy Ryan player numbers just because that those were the first teams I followed since then. I'd be hard pressed to tell you what player numbers are like, yeah. I know Deshaun Jackson's 10. Uh, you know, I know there's a few that I can remember, but for the most part, I couldn't tell you what they are, but the number zero, and I think some players will also wear double zero, probably not on the same team. I got to imagine they wouldn't allow that, but different players, I think will want to wear zero. And the Eagles are the one that introduced this new rule change. So I got to believe it's coming from somewhere. So I'm curious, who do you think might be the Eagles player or who would number zero look best on in on the Philadelphia Eagles? You mentioned the Eagles were the ones that proposed it, and that was Lori who said at the owner meetings earlier this week in Phoenix that they were just running out of numbers. You know, they need more numbers uh, for players, so they thought, why not zero? And uh, I remember back when Jim Otto for the Oakland Raiders, then Oakland Raiders, he was, I think he was double zero. And I thought that was so cool to have a center. And I'm not a big numbers guy, but I thought it was just so unique that he wore that number. So when you mention guys, I know Kelsey has, you know, made his Hall of Fame career wearing the number 62, mm-hmm. but it would be cool to see the center. You know, he's <laughs> the guy that starts every single play with the football. Yeah. So ground zero, you know, right mm-hmm. there with the center. I would like to see Kelsey wear it, but I know 62, when you talk about the Eagles running out of numbers, that's a number that I would think won't be worn again. Yeah. Uh, 62. Um so it would be neat to see. I don't think it'll happen. So if you if you look at the veterans, you probably have to discount the veterans because they've made their bones, so to speak, in the numbers that they've had for a decade. Yeah. So you look at maybe some newer guys, uh, maybe some guys like uh, Rashad Penny uh, is a possibility. You know, he's a guy that had, 
during his introductory press conference here in Philadelphia talked about a fresh start, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. recharging his career, you know, maybe he takes the full plunge and mm -hmm. does away with, uh, I don't even know. I guess he was number 22, maybe with the Seahawks. I don't, I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah. We don't, but so if you're going to go all in on the recharge, <laughs> go to zero, if you're Rashad Penny and really take advantage of the recharge, uh, that would be a good, good possibility. And then I also, you know, you look at a player like a Nicobe Dean who, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's learned last year. He sat and watched. He didn't play a whole lot. He's a guy who really his career is going to start this season, I think, as far as a full time starting uh, player goes. So maybe a Nicobe Dean goes with number zero. Uh, again, it could be looked at as like a ground zero. He's in the middle of the defense. Yeah, that's where it starts. So maybe someone like a Nicobe Dean, but. My first vote would be Kelsey, just because I think it's cool to have a center wearing zero, but that that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's a cool thought, though. I do like what you said. The, the whole offense starts with this guy, ground zero, and it would have to be – I think a double zero would have to be for, like, N'Kobe Dean or a lineman like Kelsey, like you're talking about your wider bodies. Yeah. A, a, a double zero on somebody like Quez Watkins, who would kind of be my, my pick for this – wouldn't look right. I think you got the, the thinner guys, the speedier guys, they got to be zero. The wider guys, they got to be the double zero. You got to fill that jersey out. I like Quez for zero because he was horrible last year for, for a large majority of the season. Dude, hit the reset button, right? I, I Zero feels like a good look on somebody who's fast and speedy, whether it's a cornerback or a receiver or a running back like you're talking about. I can... I would think, or, you know, a kicker or a punter also makes a lot of sense in, in a different way. Like, you don't think of the punter very much. They're kind of a zero most of the time when that's not to criticize punters because we saw how important it was to have somebody who can punt the football in the Super Bowl. But Absolutely. I would go with, I'd go with Quez because I think Quez, I think he's going to be here next year. I don't know that they're going to go get somebody who will supplant him as the number three wide receiver. So I think he needs a reset. Give Quez number zero and... It's going to go one of two ways. He's going to be better, and the reset button will have worked, or fans are going to call him a zero if he doesn't improve. But one way or the other, I think it works. I, yeah, it's not a bad thought. Um, not at all. I mean, he does have to recharge. He didn't have the best season last year. But I, I'm fine with Quez as the number three. I don't – you know, he's a sixth-round pick. He's had over 1,000 yards receiving the last two years, right? Over 100 catches, four touchdowns. I mean, to me, he's fine. You know, you're not running your yeah. offense through Quez Watkins. He's a guy that – has limited opportunity, but he has to do a better job taking, you know, making the most of those opportunities. That flub that he had in the Super Bowl, that you know, he should have had that catch, might have been a, a difference in the outcome. But you're right; he's another recharge guy that would look good in zero, flying down, you know, the sideline trying to make a deep, uh, you know, deep catch. Yeah. Uh, if you think along those lines, who else could use a recharge? I, I think he's probably. Probably the best guy, you know, in addition yeah. to Penny, who hasn't been here. But, yeah, Quez would be good. I couldn't even tell you the number Quez Watkins wears, to be no, honest. No, me either. No idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. But zero would look good on him, too. And it's going to be fun to see who they give it to. Maybe they give it to a draft pick. Maybe they bring in, like, a Bijan Robinson. Uh, you know, I think he was 32 at Texas. Uh, I think Reed Blankenship is 32, but you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a player they bring in yeah. uh, in the draft this year um, just to start his career with zero. And then he's going to wear it hopefully for a couple of years. If you got the draft pick, right. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, so he makes his name in that number zero. Cause who knows if you give it to the right guy, you may never give that number out again, if he goes on to have a great career. So that's true. Um, there are many ways they can go. I, I like the Quez pick as a zero. 
because Kelsey's not getting it. No, no, I don't think so. And if they retire the zero, then Jeffrey Lurie is going to have to propose negative integers at that point because I don't know. There's no really. <laughs> oh my gosh! And we're getting the math. You know. Yeah, yeah, Forget decimals that. and whatnot. Yep, can't yeah. do that. No. Yeah, and I know um, on our feed, uh, Brandon Lee Gowton and Benjamin Solak, this, they're big on this, on on the numbers and who should wear what. They did a whole podcast on who should wear zero, so I encourage folks mm. to, to check that one out. Um, nice. Last thing before we get to our discussion of NFC quarterbacks, just wanted to get your real quick hitter thoughts on the draft, where the Eagles are looking at right now, and given the fact they have two first-round picks in a second and then not much else until much later in the draft, how do you see the draft shaking out next month? Yeah, they, they have, what, four picks in the top 100. Uh, you know, that that's something that really need to take advantage of. Um, whether they make all those picks is doubtful. I mean, look, Howie went into the draft last year with three number one picks, and he made one, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they have two this year. Will they make both of those picks? I don't think they will. I think they will try to cover some of that, that barren wasteland that they have between rounds four and seven. They don't have any picks rounds four, five, and six. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and Jeffrey Lurie talked about getting a volume, uh, a voluminous mm. amount of picks because now you're going to be looking for cheap labor with this contract extension that Jalen Hurts uh, is probably going to get here sooner rather than later. So you're going to need some cheap labor. So they probably want a few more picks. They have six. They're going to have a boatload next year with the comp picks. But yeah, um, if you're sticking in in the first round at number ten, uh, I would love Bijan Robinson. I know a lot of fans don't like that. They think it's kind of a wasted pick, but you know, let's take this offense to another level. Jeffrey Lurie talked about how they want a dynamic offense that offense rules the NFL these days. So he wants to build a strong offense. Bijan Robinson would certainly do that for them, yeah. but that's not the philosophical approach they usually take. So I would, I would probably look at an offensive or defensive lineman. You know, they lost two O linemen in free agency, Siamalu and Dillard. Uh, you know, they lost Javon Hargrave. Uh, you know, their their ends are a little bit older with Brandon Graham. Derek Barnett's on the last year of a contract. So I could see them going in that direction more than a running back at number 10. Yeah. And it's a deep running back class. So they could find a running back at some point later, maybe on the second day. Uh, but I, you know, I like this Paris Johnson kid from Ohio state, uh, because he played right guard at Ohio state two years ago, this past year, he played left tackle. Hmm. Um, Nick Sirianni said about Cam Jurgens that he, he didn't anoint him the starter. He said, it's too early to talk about a leader in the clubhouse to play right guard in place of Siamalu. Uh, everybody just widely assumed it would be Jurgens, and maybe it will be, but he's not handing him this job. He's bringing in people to compete. To me, Jurgens is a little on the smaller side to play guard. He's 6'3, 295. Dickerson's 6'6, 330. Hmm. Brandon Brooks was 6'5, 335. I mean, guards need to be, in my opinion, bigger. They like Eagles, especially like bigger guards. And Jurgens doesn't quite fit that bill. So why not bring in Paris Johnson, who has that versatility, who's 6'5, 6'6, 315, probably will gain a little bit more weight uh, and throw him in there to compete with uh jurgens at the right guard spot yeah at some point maybe flip out to right tackle when lane johnson moves on so i think they'll probably go o-line it could be peter skaronsky from northwestern uh, another player that might settle in better at guard than tackle um and this osiris torrance from florida who is a straight up guard uh maybe you could cross train him as a tackle as his career develops maybe he's in the mix but i 
I really think the Eagles are going to go offensive line in the top 10. Uh, and if they stay at 10, if they move back a little bit, then all bets are off yeah. uh, as to where they could go. But I just think philosophically that's their approach is to find, to keep that offensive line strong. They have one of the best coaches in the business at that spot, Jeff Stoutlin. Give them another toy, so to speak, yeah. to play with. And they never really seem in that year's draft to be drafting for players to play that season. It's very, yep. it's it's rare they do that. And we saw that last year. None of their none of their picks, none of their top picks played. The only rookie of consequence last year who did anything was Reed Blankenship, who was undrafted and was used in an emergency. So yeah, um, yeah, they they point. tip and and you want you need. I mean, the Chiefs showed us that you can get value from your current year draft picks, and that philosophy will need to start to change. Once Jalen Hurts' contract is renegotiated and it becomes like a full salary cap monster, I think in 2024, even when they redo it, the the true the the, the true pain doesn't start until 2024. The 2023 season, the signing bonus will will obviously eat up more of this year's cap, but it's not going to be as bad as it will the next few seasons. So really, you're looking for 2024 as the time when you when you have to get a lot out of your out of your draft picks and they're going to need more this year no doubt about it but you know the bill really comes due next year you're right i mean they they do draft with an eye towards next year the year after it's like a three-year down the road approach they did it with dallas goddard in 18 mm -hmm. zach zach Ertz was still on the roster they did it with andre dillard jason peters was still here in 2019 uh but yeah you, you look at 2024 john and Devontae smith is going to need a new contract after 2024 so mm -hmm. he, he's going to be you know you're going to have to figure out what to do with him. Are you going to pay him a lot of money the same year that hurts his contract kicks in? Uh, you know, AJ Brown, his salary cap charge goes up to 40 plus million mm. in 2025 and it's even high in 2024. So you have some really financially, uh, you know, some financial decisions to make with players like those. So you need yeah. to get guys in here that can step in on their rookie deals and maybe fill those spots. We had we saw the Chiefs have to trade Tyreek Hill because Patrick Mahomes was given the big extension. So, you know, we could see a situation like that where the Eagles might have to part ways with a very popular player yeah. uh, because of the financial constraints that this extension is going to put them in. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's very important to hit on these picks. You can have as many picks as you want, and now you're going to have to hit on them yeah. and get, you know, the the, the snaps from them. Yep, that's the big key. Hit on the picks, develop them. And I think one of the things right. that's underrated about the Eagles is they have really seemed to do a much better job over the last couple of years of developing players. And that's going to be key with N'Kobe Dean this year. That's going to be uh, key with uh, with Cam Jurgens. It's going to be key with uh, Jordan Davis to get more out of those guys, too. They are going to have a more prominent role here in 2023. All right, let's jump into the fun part of the podcast here, Ed. I know we've just been grinding through these first few topics but kidding um well i want to talk about this nfc quarterbacks hierarchy piece that i wrote for bleeding green nation and i wanted to get your thoughts a fun way i know to talk about these quarterbacks and to kind of rank them is for us to draft them so thought yeah. one thing that we could do is a snake draft um i'll ask you to make uh, the first pick overall i mean I think we all know who that's going to be. And then I'll make two and then you'll make two and we'll kind of go back and forth until we get through 16 quarterbacks, eight each. Okay. Um, so, um, so I, I'm going to give you the honors of drafting the player who we all know you're going to draft, which, which is of course. Uh, well, it's not Baker Mayfield. Um, <laughs> I have my list here, John. And, and, and at the very top of it is Jalen hurts. I'm uh, shocked and surprised. Ed. I know. Yes. I know. Yeah. Stop the presses. Hurts <laughs> my pick. 
Uh, Jalen Hurts is obviously a fantastic pick. He is the consensus number one in the NFC. And I guess my thought, the thing I want to ask you is, um, what is the gap between number one and number two? Because my number two is Jared Goff, which is as surprising to me uh, as it is probably to a lot of people listening. At the start of this year, in no way did I think we would be entering the 2023 season talking about Jared Goff as the second best quarterback in the NFC. Here's a guy the Lions or the the Rams couldn't get wait to, couldn't wait to get rid of to trade for Matthew Stafford. Credit to the Rams. That worked. Matthew Stafford got them a Super Bowl. It was exactly what they needed. Now the Lions appear to be benefiting from that deal. He is was very, very good this year for a Detroit offense that is only looking to get better. So I have Jared Goff at number two. Uh, and then I have Dak Prescott at number three. Um, I really waffled on, the, on those two. I initially, I think, when I put out my list a little while ago, had Dak at number two and Jared Goff at number three. And the more I thought about it, I was asking myself, who would I want more on this team right now? I think at the moment, Jared Goff's a little bit more reliable and dependable, and that's why I, I went with Goff. I just can't I can't put a guy who led the league in interceptions in 12 games as the number two quarterback in the NFC. So Yeah, how about that? Well, I like the pick of Goff. I think it's a good pick. I mean, you're right. I mean, And you think back, he was the first overall pick in the 2016 draft that landed the Eagles, Carson Wentz, at number two. And Right. Uh, Goff has proven to be the correct pick at number one. Uh, you know, say what you want about his Rams career. He he's doing well in Detroit. I, a lot of expectations with the Lions this year. Uh, so we'll see how Goff performs. But yeah, I mean, he he probably is a legitimate top five quarterback in the NFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like the pick. And and Dak, you're right. He's got the interception uh, issues. Um, but I still like Dak. I think he's a good, good, solid quarterback. And he came in the fourth round. I mean, you, you can't beat yeah. that. No, for sure. W- would either one of those guys been your number two, or is your next pick? Would he have been your number two? Yeah, that that's a good question. I listen. I know uh, you know Derek Carr. Say what you want about Derek Carr. I might have gone Derek Carr number two because that's who I'll take here with my pick. That you know he came into the league from years with the Raiders. Um, you know the Saints kind of underachieved last year. I think they're a team that you really have to watch this year because of Derek Carr coming in. Um, I, I like Carr maybe more than some others. Maybe he would have been number two, but I, I do. I, I don't have a problem with Goff at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I might have gone Carr um, okay. at that spot. But that's who I'll go with here. Um, and, and I think he's going to help that Saints team. And the, and then I guess where are we? One, two, three, four. Number five. Seven. Yeah, number five. Um, yeah, another guy that I like who really I thought had a good year and maybe could be a surprise for you, me taking him here is Geno Smith uh, with with the Seahawks. I mean, he was nothing for years. And then he goes to Seattle and Pete Carroll uh, figure, you know, kind of unlocks the key or unlocks the door for him. And, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a while for guys to figure it out at positions, especially quarterback. And that looks like it might be the case with Geno Smith. And, I'll be interested to see what he does here now, kind of in year two yeah. of this rebirth. Um, but I like him. I, li- I like Geno Smith a lot. Um, I think he's a good leader for that team. So I'll, I'll, I'll take Geno Smith here. Yeah, good leader. He's been through a lot. He just got yeah. the, the multi-year contract, so now he's financially set. He was the fifth-rated passer last year. He So far, our top five were my top five that I wrote for Bleeding Green Nation. I had Geno Smith at number five also. Um, yeah. And I, I will be very interested to see what happens with him here in his uh, in, in his second year with Seattle as the as the uh, starter every week. Um, so I'm going uh, with numbers six and seven here. And number six for me is Justin Fields. Um, I, I kind of wanted to put him a little bit higher, but he just didn't do much passing the football last year. 85.2 passer rating was 25th out of 33 qualified quarterbacks. 
but he didn't really have a whole lot of options. He's got DJ Moore now as an option outside, and his ability to run the football. I, I mean, we we think about Jalen Hurts, like oh maybe the best running quarterback in football. Fields ran for eleven hundred forty-three yards on the ground. That was sixth, seventh most in the NFL, including running backs. Mm-hmm. So the the what he can if he can give you anything more throwing the football, it's going to turn him into one of the most dynamic forces in the NFL. Um, I think he still needs more help offensively. He needs more more work from the on the offensive line. I think he could use another skill position player or two, but getting at least one number one wide receiver will help him out tremendously. And another year as the starter, he should be more comfortable. I think here's a guy who is ready to take a huge step forward in 2023. So I'll say Justin Fields at six. And then I got Daniel Jones at, at number seven here. Um, this is when the decisions start to get a little bit tough. Uh, Jones was was solid. Um, he's making $40 million a year, which is which is a decision. Um, 92 and a half uh, quarterback rating last year, ran for 708 yards, only ran for 52 fewer yards than Jalen Hurts last season. But right. just but just 15 passing touchdowns, I, I can't have him any higher than that when he when he just wasn't all that productive throwing the football. Darren Waller will be better for him in 2023, but Outside of that, I don't love the Giants' offense. I don't know that he's going to get as much from Saquon Barkley here this year. So I have Daniel Jones at number seven. I just couldn't put him up any higher than this. Yeah. Listen, Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka have done wonders for him. So now he's back second year in that same system. I mean, he really needs to take a big step up here. 15 touchdown passes is a little low. But, you know, those receivers that he had to work with were just subpar, um, you know, having – added to that spot i think will help i don't know who they added but i think they'll probably take one in the draft paris campbell they brought in they right, re-signed darius slayton and darren waller obviously will will right. help uh, he can play out one. wide a little bit waller's the big one yeah yeah he's a big target for sure so i i expect this to be a big uh jump year for for daniel jones um especially with the money they're paying him and you know, you have Dable and Kafka, and who knows how long that duo is going to be together. Kafka uh, could get a head coaching job next year. I think he had a few sniffs this year. Yeah. Um, but he's a guy that if the Giants do what they did last year and take another step, then Kafka's gone, in my opinion. Yeah. And, yeah. and Jones would be a big reason for that step if they were to take it. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a pretty good landing spot for him. And, and Fields, if anybody's in need of development, uh, it's him, especially in the passing game, because, you know, quarterbacks don't survive long in this league if they have to run for a thousand plus yards every year. It's just they're just not going to hold up. Right. Uh, so he needs to be able to find, you know, a, a rhythm or or be developed, find a better technique to throw the ball, get more pass protection. I think a lot of times he was quick to get out of the pocket because his protection broke down. So yeah. uh, certainly a guy you could project to be at some point in the top five if he gets developed properly. Um so for me, uh, you know, I would probably put uh, the next pick as, uh, you know, I, I like Kyler Murray a lot. I know he's not going to start mm-hmm. the year uh, with the ACL injury he suffered late last year, but um, he's a guy that is very dangerous in terms of running and throwing. And he's not one of those guys that's quick to take off running like a Fields and maybe even a Hertz. I mean, he kind of picks his spots to run the ball. Um, but yeah, I would I would probably take. Uh, Kyler Murray as my next pick there. And then probably Brock Purdy, a guy that we didn't see a whole lot of last year, late start to his career, but somebody who can, uh, I think, be developed. He's got a great team around him, a good coach and Kyle Shanahan. So he would be, uh, you know, my my pick after uh, Kyler Murray. 
Yeah, I had Kyler Murray down a little bit further. I have him as my number 11, um, but I'm, I'm with you on Brock Purdy. I have him at number nine on, on my list as well. Uh, I'll give you the guy that I have uh, as my number eight guy, and I'll take him here. Let me just re- sum up for everybody. We, so far, we've got Jalen Hurts, one, Jared Goff, two, Dak Prescott, three, Derek Carr, four, Geno Smith, five, Justin Fields at six, Daniel Jones, seven, Kyler Murray, eight, Brock Purdy, nine, and I will go with Matthew Stafford at number 10. He's a big question mark. I, I think um, he was off to start the year last year. He was dealing with some injury issues. Um, he had a uh, elbow issue that really limited his effectiveness through the first nine games. And then he had a spinal contusion that pretty much finished up his season. Some conversations about would he retire? Uh, doesn't sound like that's going to happen. If he's healthy, he's much higher on this list. The big yeah. question for him is his health. Is, is he going to stay healthy? So I still think he can be a top 10 quarterback in this conference. And I like him better than anybody else I have below him, including the guy that I have next. And that is Kirk Cousins. Um, I've usually, I have generally been one of the more ardent Kirk Cousins uh, defenders, but uh, his performance and the Vikings performance in the playoffs with him last year really soured me. And I just, I couldn't put him above Daniel Jones who beat him in a playoff game and Brock Purdy who won two playoff games last year. Yeah. Obviously it's a team game. It's more than just the quarterback, but I also think Kirk cousins might be starting the downward slope at age 35. I'm not looking for him to have as good a season in 2023. Wow. 35. I didn't know he was that old. But yeah. He's got an amazing <laughs> track record, but only one playoff win. I know, you know, it's not quarterback versus quarterback. You have guys around you, but still one playoff win is, you know, not covering yourself in any kind of glory there. Right, right, uh, right. But, uh, all right, so you, that's 11 for you? Yeah. Uh, after 12. that, you know, it really gets a little bit sketchy here. I mean, the NFC quarterback play is not on the same level as the AFC for no. sure. Uh, but I, I would probably go here at 12. Uh, I guess, gosh, Baker Mayfield maybe? Um mm. Unless I'm forgetting somebody. I mean, he came on strong with the Rams last year. You know, he's a former number one pick who wants to kind of prove that, you know, I'm still pretty good here. Um, So maybe that's motivating him. Maybe that puts a chip on his shoulder. He goes to Tampa Bay, uh, you know, a team that's kind of in a rebuild a little bit. Um, But, you know, I think if he wins the job over Kyle Trask, which I think he will, you know, he could maybe prove some things. We talked about Geno Smith, a guy who took years to figure it out. You have to get in the right situation, the right opportunity, and maybe this is it for Mayfield. So I'll go Mayfield here at 12. Uh, and then after that, um, I'll tell you, a guy I really liked in the draft was Sam Howell. I don't know if he's going to start in Washington, but I thought he had a great career at North Carolina. I think Washington's got some good pieces around him. And I, I think if Sam Howell beats out Jacoby Brissett for that job, I, th- I like Sam Howell a lot uh, as my next pick in this in this draft here. I think we have maybe slightly different philosophies on this because I, I had Baker Mayfield down at 22. I'm low on Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I, I just looking at his career stats, looking at his production. I just, yeah. I see a, I see a backup. I don't see a guy who can be a good starting quarterback anymore. Uh, and I actually had Sam Howell down at number 19. I like him. I think he's got a good future. I just needed to see, I, I think he, it's just not enough for me to say, that I can put him above the guy who I think, um, well, he's one of the two guys I'm going to mention next. Um, I have Trey Lance as my next quarterback. I have him at number 12 overall. He's coming in at number 14 on our list here. Um, You know, here's a guy who they spent three first round picks to go and get, and they're looking for ways to not start him. So I get having him here might be a little bit of a head scratcher, but I still think he's got a ton of talent. And I think it's just, he hasn't stayed healthy enough to prove that he can play in this league. 
if I'm picking quarterbacks, if I'm if I'm signing guys I want to take a chance on, I have Trey Lance ahead of any of the guys that I have below me, below on this list. Um, I, I would take a, I would rather take a flyer on Trey Lance than say, you know, some of the some of the guys who are further down, like Mayfield or Sam Howell at this point. So that's why I have him ranked as high as I do. Uh, and then my next guy is the guy who I think will be the backup to Sam Howell. I think right now Jacoby Brissett is a better quarterback than Sam Howell. I think if the if the commanders want to win this year, they start Jacoby Brissett. But if you're really looking to the future and building your team in a smart way, Sam Howell has to be your starter. But if you're if you're giving me the option of two quarterbacks, who do I want playing for the Eagles this year? I, I want Jacoby Brissett over Sam Howell. And that's why I have him right there at number 15. Uh, overall for us, 13 on my list. 13. Okay, Lance is interesting. I, who knows? The, the 49ers may try to trade him. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, just because they, they have Sam Darnold, I think, as a backup there too. Then they sign Sam Darnold, so uh, you know Brock Purdy is going to miss time. So yeah. you know, we'll see how they feel about Lance. But third round, former third round or third overall pick, I think Lance, yep. um, still very young, didn't play a whole lot of games at North Dakota State. So yeah, good pick there. Um, you know, then we get into you know, whew. this is your last one, by the way, last pick. my last my last pick. Yeah. Well, you know, give me uh, Jordan Love. Yeah, I like that. Packers. Um, I I think, given an opportunity, he'll be okay. I mean, we saw him against the Eagles, right, when they were yeah. here, come in for uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I thought he did pretty well. He so, did. you know, now that he knows he's the guy, let's see if he can take advantage. Well, it's a fascinating conversation because there are so many different ways you can go on this. Again, you could be looking at potential. You could be looking at just pure physical talent. You could be looking at track record and who you would want for one year for a good team or a good team to build around. A lot of different ways you can go. I think the the long and short of this is, is that the NFC quarterbacks are a generally speaking weak group of quarterbacks and the Eagles are in a great position having far and away the best quarterback in the conference. And that's kind of why I wanted to do the list was just mainly to prove a point as to how good Jalen Hurts is and what an advantage he gives the Eagles over the rest of the teams in the conference right now. And, and, you know, John, this is a list that could change. If Lamar Jackson comes into the NFC, I mean, he's still hanging around out there. And uh, the the Falcons really want to go with Desmond Ritter. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I mean, yeah, Lamar Jackson makes a lot of sense in Atlanta. So it's a list. Yeah. And then then we'll see. Do you put him ahead of Hurts? I mean, that would be close. I yeah. still think Hurts is better, but it would be an interesting conversation. It's a very close conversation. And, of course, uh, the Panthers are going to draft a quarterback number one yes. overall, and so he would get slotted in there somewhere as well. So it's uh, definitely a conversation worth revisiting in a couple of months for sure. Yeah. Folks, make sure you're checking out everything uh, that Ed Kratz is doing over at Fan Nation. Eagles Today, that's what you want to be looking out for on your computer web. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Kratz. It's K-R-A-C-Z-E. Ed, thanks so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it's great, John. I appreciate it. Thanks. And folks, that'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Want to remind you all to check out all of the podcasts we have for you here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And also check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day for the latest news, notes, and rumors as the NFL draft draws ever closer. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week right here on Eye on the Enemy. G-N.